0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to our throwback episode. In our throwback episodes, we are reintroducing you to some of our most popular episodes. This is great for new listeners who want to learn more about the work we've done in the past, and it's a great refresher if you've been a listener for a long time. Enjoy. Asul, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Kwame. It's such a privilege and an honor to be here.
0: No, it's a privilege and honor to have you. And it, again, is is way overdue. What about four years overdue? <laughs> so I'm glad we can make this happen. So how would you get us started by telling uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah. So I'm the co-founder of Authors Who Lead, and I help leaders write books that people love. And our focus really is people over paper always. That's what we focus on. And we see ourselves as a a leadership development company whose focus is writing books. So a lot of that comes with helping people find their, their idea, their identity through their books and building their brand as leverage for their business and or their next thing. So making a big leap um, in their book writing process. So I spent my 25 years of my life actually being an educator, principal, university instructor, and teacher. And this is sort of my second thing in life. So um, I've been doing this for little over five years six years probably and that's uh that's my story
0: this is fantastic and um everybody uh is very modest uh his business (laughs) is uh incredibly successful and he's helped uh, countless authors uh bring their their work to life um uh people often ask me hey Kwame, how were you able to uh self-publish a book with uh you know no experience doing it um now you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so thank you for that too
1: <laughs> awesome yeah of course i mean you're a perfect example of a leader that should have a book you should have multiple books we'll talk about that probably more um but it, it does something to you when you can crystallize what i really think and believe and put into the world so um i'm glad that we got to work together
0: on huh? Absolutely. And so audience, I know you're used to our typical three part format, really focusing heavily on skills. Um, this one will, of course, you'll get some skills out of it for sure, but we're going to have a more of an open discussion. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to start off from the, the challenge that you face. Right? What are the difficult conversations that you are experiencing day, day to day when you're working with authors, or I should say aspiring authors?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of times people come to me and their first wonder is like, well, how do I get this published? Like the first thought is, I I really want to know, should I self-publish? Should I get an agent? Should I get a traditional publisher? So usually they start with the end in mind, thinking about all those things. And one of the biggest negotiation points for me is like, let's start with what you hope this book does when it is in that space where it's published. Because if they're not clear about what they want this book to do for them, they could spend a lot of time writing a book, putting it on paper, and it doesn't perform for them. So you've got to be clear about, what is that? do I want this to do for me? When you can do that, you start to clarify the message. And that's the thing I try to teach people. Books are valuable in that they share your message when you're not present. Um, they're valuable because people can talk about your book when you're not there. But really, it's just the shadow of your truth, right? You're, you're not, You would say a lot more if you had time, but this is what you had time for during the time they're sitting with this book. But if they walk away and don't clearly know what you stand for, what you're trying to convince them, persuade them of, or uh, show them, then your book is just a bunch of words. And I always say great books get lost in words, meaning that people think the words are the best part of a book. And actually the best part of the book is when someone talks about the book outside of it, right? So think about all the books you've read, the books that are probably sitting on your shelf uh, that you had really good intentions. In fact, there were best-selling books by best-selling authors, whatever you know that might be, whatever list that could be. And you bought the book, and you read a chapter, and then you didn't ever finish it. Um, so books can get in the way, but if a message, you read something that really strikes you, even if you don't finish, you talk about that book. right? You go, you know what? This really reminds me of this. Or someone notices you, hey, you look like you're really joyful and vibrant. Well, I read this book that talked about this thing, and it's really shifted my thinking. Oh. So books have power outside of the page and most authors don't think of it that way. They think of very structural, like what's the outline, what's first, and I'll get this done. And those are important things. But the problem with that is, is they don't think about the big picture. So the first thing I have to work on is negotiating their mind outside of the the, the theory of, I need to know if this is going to be published and what it looks like. So that's the first thing I would usually have to do when I'm working with leaders or authors who are wanting to write a book.
0: This is so great. I, I love this because you're absolutely right. I think about how often we hear the, the, the phrase begin with the end in mind. Right. And that's such a really great thing to, to say. Right. You want to focus on your goals and everything. And really, we almost take it for granted as to what that end is. Right. And so what you're demonstrating here is that we have to negotiate the goal negotiate the mindset. How are you thinking about this? And what do you want this to achieve? And I'll admit, I was one of those people. It's um, When it comes to achievements, I'm trying to check things off the list. Published book, how quickly can we get this done? It's like, whoa, there's a different approach here, focusing on what the book actually does. It really will cause people to, to stop and think about it completely differently.
1: Right. And the thing, most people, when you ask an author, so what do you want this book to do for you? thinking about the end in mind, what they usually say is, well, I really want readers to take away this, this amazing thing. And they get, you know, impacts them. I said, well, you didn't answer the question. I asked you, what do you want it to do for you? Like, well, um, I don't know. I'm like, this is the problem because already you started out uncertain because you think this is a, it's about the reader, but first and foremost, it should be about the leader. The leader's deciding what will this do for my business, my life, my platform. Uh, because you're going to commit a lot of time, a lot of effort, and put yourself out there. And if you're not willing to say, this is the transformation I want to make in this book, then how do you expect anyone else to have a transformation? It's just content. It just becomes information. And we're drowning in information. We, we don't need more information. What we need is someone to guide us through something that we can't see ourselves. So first, I have to re- re- recalibrate people to say, quit thinking about the author first. I mean, the readers first. I know it seems logical. You'll focus on the reader as you write, but first your transformation, your next step has to be clear. If you want to be a speaker on a stage, then write a book that helps you get more speeches, different. The content can be the same, but just as a different focus. If you want to grow your client-based business, then what's the best outcome that client can have when they read the book? Is it to book a call with you? Um, is it to um, have you come speak to their teams? If you're not clear, you're not going to deliver to them. So be clear so that you, um, you know what to deliver the reader. And that's the first thing they have to make decision when they're deciding what does this do for me?
0: Yeah, and that was a, a hard mindset shift for me when I was writing the book. Um, uh, and so, oh, listeners, if you don't know the name of the book, it's Finding Confidence in Conflict, How to Negotiate Anything and Live Your Best Life, available on Amazon. <laughs> Back to Beautiful. the interview. Um, but for me, it was becoming vulnerable because that was another thing that stuck into my in my mind during our process, because you said this needs to be a transformative process for you if it's going to be transformative for other people. And I said, well, I like the way I am right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like being behind this I like being Oz behind the screen yeah
0: <laughs> exactly because the thing was and and you can attest to this honestly like when I was first thinking about the book it was quite boring it was very very skills heavy I was approaching it hey I'm a lawyer I'm a professor this is what you need to do in order to be successful and it was really your guidance that helps me to think differently about it and I'm assuming you've w- worked with other people who were a little bit resistant to that vulnerability and just said, listen, forget that. I just want to be, I want to get this done. They were thinking more transactionally. Mm -hmm. How do you work through that um, when people really just want to push through and get it done without having the requisite amount of vulnerability to make a really great book?
1: Yeah, I'm working with an author actually currently who's got a book deal in the UK and it's pitching another, you know, to a big, you know, the big five publishers to a publisher here in the US. And as an expert has you know one point five million subscribers to their youtube channel as a as a doctor, like very successful uh, the part that's missing is him, his vulnerable truth, not because the book won't do well, but it won't be talked about if there's not a story to share and most people because they live their life in their body, don't think that their story is very unique. They're think, like, well, you know what actually, that's the least interesting thing about me, and the truth is everyone's selling sunshine, you know if we think we're unique and that what we do is unique, you'll just take a little bit of a Google search and realize 16 other people do exactly what you do. So you can't win by being unique in the delivery thing of the sunshine, because if someone draws a circle on the ground and says, look, look at my sunshine circle, it's awesome. And then someone next to you just draws a bigger circle, says look at my sunshine circle. That's sort of an interesting (laughs) dilemma, but nothing that we're doing someone else can't repeat. So, When I was a kid, I got a magnifying glass in a science kit. And um, the coolest thing about it was I could use it to look at things up close. But then I discovered you could burn your friend's leg. Uh, (laughs) You can light a leaf on fire, right? Uh, Maybe I might have burned a few ants. So I owe some cosmic karma for that. But the lesson learned was that that, that that focused light is the same sunshine that would just warm your hand, can actually burn or ignite something. And so most authors miss that they are the lens. They are that magnifying glass. They worry about the content, the sunshine. Don't worry about the sunshine. What you write in the book is less important than you think. It's knowing why you're the unique messenger. Why would you be the one to tell the story? Jada Selner, the co-founder of Simple Green Smoothies, says, you know, there are no unique messages as well, just unique messengers. And that's very true. That's very true in the sense that I want authors to see themselves first in their body and not, not hiding themselves um, behind the content because no one will remember them. If I can take their name off of it and put someone else's, how is that going to be impactful? How is that going to help them build a legacy of business or brand when it's just the content there? So that's that's another piece of that's important to think about when you're trying to create something. And your story in your book, even though the the, the title and stuff shifted, I think you did a better job of the title than you and I came up with. But that the story, the essence of it is the reason why people remember it. It's the reason people, you know, tens of thousands of people watch your TED talk because it it puts humanity in it. And I was like, man, that's so true what Kwame says. So I just want authors to hear that is that if we loved information, we'd all dumpster dive at the end of the school year at universities and get textbooks and just read them. Content. (laughs) We don't. Because that's not what keeps us moving forward as humans. It's the story that's attached to it. Hi, I'm Kevin Kanapke, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer here at the American Negotiation Institute. Did you know our company offers completely customizable negotiation workshops? The negotiation
0: and conflict resolution skills that your team will learn from these workshops are beneficial across all
1: professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram accounts to see our daily negotiation content. Thanks for listening. Hey
0: you, I'm Andrew Seaman. Do you want a new job or do you want to move forward in your career? Well, you should listen to my weekly show called Get Hired with Andrew Seaman. We talk about it all, and it's waiting for you, yes, you, wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all in one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. I love this. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And now, as we progress in the process. And let's say they're bought in, they say, All right, coach, Asul, I'm on board, I'm going to do it your way, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to be open. And now what ends up happening is they say, Listen, I'm going to make this perfect book. And so they spend a month making a perfect book Then they spend a year making a perfect book. And then they're spending three years making the same perfect book. And then 10 years later, you're like, Hey, what's going on with that book? Yeah, man, I'm still working on it. And um, And this is something that I struggled with, too, and you helped me through it. How do you work with people who get into that cycle of delay where you need to push them toward completion, but there's something blocking them from actually getting the job done?
1: Yeah, you know, nothing works better than a deadline that's external. Um, But the way that I help people is remind them that there is no perfect book um, that perfection is an idealism and that they have to get over that. Um, the same, when I used to coach Ted speakers, the, the the thing they would want to know is, you know, I really want to do a good job being a great speaker. I'm like, well, it's not called great speakers. It's called ideas worth spreading. Spend all your time on an idea. It won't matter how great of a speaker you are. The virality comes from the message that you share that no one else can see. And so it can be imperfect, right? It, That's the thing I help remind them is there's no wrong choice when you're trying to decide, should this go in the book? Should it not? It's more or less of, you know, there's only one choice. It's the choice you make. And if you can own that and you realize I can't be wrong, um, you start to make progress. Because the other thing besides wondering about, well, how does it get published? People wonder about is, well, what if it's not any good? What if it gets bad reviews? what if someone else already write about this and I didn't know it? Like all these things that are future forward. i said, those are not things you can control. They're not here. They're not now. So the only thing you can do is to the now, which is finish the book because I'm the worst. I tell people it took me 24 years and 30 days to write my first book. It was 24 years to talk about it, read about it, outline about it, study, take courses, and then 30 days to actually write the book. It was not hard, in my head, it was hard, but it, what the problem was, I was living in a perfect world. This has got to be good world, and I realized that that never did anything for anyone living in my head.
0: Yeah, it makes so much sense, and it, it seems as though it's not just about the the facts of the situation, right? You you have to play almost the role of therapist to a certain extent to figure out what that block is.
1: Right. So when people show up with a block. Or a problem people refer to as writer's block, but I say there's no such thing um, as a writer's block in that you don't know what to say. Writer's block is the fact that you have too much to say. So the first thing I help people do is empty the funnel. So if you imagine that the book writing process was like taking a bottle, putting a funnel on it and pouring the words into the bottle, like, I should be able to just get an outline and then write a book, right? We're all trained to how to write academically. Why can't I write a book? Um, But the problem is, is they start pouring the words on the page through the computer or whatever. And it just seems to drip out like what's going on or it pours over the top of the funnel. And instead of evaluating that there's something blocking the funnel, they just get a different bottle and they start again. And th- the blocks are inside or before you start writing. There are all these doubts, these fears, these wonders about perfectionism, these wonders about being right. And so I spend a lot of my time helping people empty the, the funnel before we even let them put words on a page. Because if you can see your uniqueness, you start to realize I am the only one that can write this book. You start worrying less and less about it being good. You worry about how can I make sure they understand this perspective? Um, you know, you've heard many times from many people that you can't read the label from inside of the bottle. And most people don't think they're very unique or special. And my job is to convince them and show them why and help keep emptying the funnel so they can get back to writing.
0: Yeah. And in your experience, what were the, the most challenging conversations that you had to have?
1: Sometimes it's, I'm not sure that this is the right book meaning you said you had this goal and you wrote this book but it felt a little safe like you you worried too much about it being good to actually say something and it might need to be rewritten that's hard conversation when someone's spent x amount of months working on a book um <laughs> working with Pat Flynn uh, who who's the host of the smart passive income uh, podcast and blog and we spent a lot of time working on a book that at the end, when we read it together straight through, we had like two separate sessions. And at the end, we just looked at each other and said, this isn't And he's like, nope. So mm-hmm. 70% of that book had to get thrown out. The deadline didn't change, unfortunately. So we had to keep like writing quickly. But that's a really hard conversation to hear. I've been told that by my editor like three different times. This isn't the right book. And I was like, are you kidding me? But, but I know that they're trying to help me. And I know that it's not hard to put words on a page. The hard part is if I start to believe that I can't do it, that's when you start getting stuck. And once you get clarity about what do you want this book to do, and then you realize I have a mission here. If if I'm intending to do this, I got to get out of my head, empty this funnel, and get back to words on a page. Because most people don't realize how quickly they can write. They count things like thinking, quote, researching, um, as writing. It's not. That's not writing. That's researching or thinking. And if you sit down to write, most people, if they put a timer on and wrote for five minutes and then figured out their per minute speed, find out they can write pretty fast. In fact, they can write two or 3,000 words in a minute. And if they kept uh, in in an hour, if they kept it up for a month, they'd finish a book. That's how I got done. So I think most people just misunderstand the difference between writing and thinking and researching. And if they can separate those things, they won't get stuck as often.
0: I think one of the things that you did really well in that was that you actually gave something tangible for us to to get a better understanding of that because anybody can say hey you can write faster than you think okay boss thank you um and <laughs> we, 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 they don't really absorb it but i remember you had me sit down and actually do this exercise set your timer for two minutes and i want you to write and i don't want you to stop no don't worry about grammar don't worry about spelling don't worry about punctuation punctuations the only rule is you cannot stop typing and i was shocked and how many words I was able to get down in that moment of time and um, I know you remember this well my I gave myself an absurd deadline but (laughs) but, uh, but that came out of nowhere because I was doing a lot of I'm using air quotes for the uh, podcast listeners writing which was just Mm -hmm. gathering data thinking taking notes and everything and then um, I had an opportunity to be featured uh, as the uh, alumni spotlight for the Ohio State University Alumni Association we have a big alumni association group and I said okay um, when will that happened they said november 3rd and i said my book will be done by then it was early september and then i called Asul. i'm like how do i do this he's like oh you can't but we'll try
1: (laughs) that was probably the most impossible deadline i've ever worked on and i remember staying up in the middle and i was in the uk ahead of you a little bit but i was like oh my gosh i don't know how we're gonna get this done
0: it was wild
1: we did but we did
0: it we yeah. did it. We had, and thanks to your guidance, we were able to do it. But I, I think really what we're learning here um, is that it's just a lot of mental blocks. But if you take mm-hmm. the time and actually show somebody tangibly, Hey, yes, I made this claim, but here's a little micro experiment that we can do to show you that it is valid. Then it hel- helps the people to see that the impossible is actually possible.
1: Right. That's what it took for me. I, I just, I just didn't realize I could do that. Like I, no one ever showed me. Like my writing speed, I never even thought about it. I never even thought about it being important or that I have been wasting so much time thinking. You know, we we think thinking is good. Think about it in in an argument with a spouse or sitting with another. We spend more time thinking about it and then we lash out, we say all these crazy things. So we thought ourselves in and out of this conversation and by the time we had it, it, it was a whole different thing. So that's true in our head as we're working on books as we think ourselves in and out of things we could write or we might write instead of just putting writing on the page and realize editing and writing are different processes you don't use the same parts of your brain in fact you shouldn't we're trained to be editors in school not writers that's the problem it's useful for academia because it's efficient mm. and here's my premise here's my outline write edit write edit delete right right write. and at the end we don't have to go back and fix much hopefully right we turn it in do i get an a or my b student i turn and in get my b whatever i get but we're not trained to think like writers separate from being editors uh, we we have this judgment thing going on all the time. And if you can turn off silence one over the other, you don't worry about it being good. You realize that's an editor's job. My, my own stuff editing is included. Um, that's, that's the negotiating skill you have to do is tell that brain, hey, look, you're important, but just right now, not right now. The editor part, you can jump in later.
0: This is great. Yeah. And one last thing before we go, and I think this is something that would be really important for the audience to understand is negotiating with people who have egos with people who fancy themselves to know a lot. um, And like, people who are authors, I think you have to have a certain amount of healthy ego to feel confident enough, letting people know what you think on a specific issue, right. And then for you, you're specifically targeting leaders. Mm -hmm. you have to have some level of ego um, in order to lead not not you know a problematic type of ego but it has to be there and so you're dealing with people who are already successful top of their fields and people who have already written in different capacities mm-hmm. um, and then you have to really show them that they know less about writing than they think and, right. and so how are you able to do that while still maintaining a strong relationship
1: you know, what's interesting, the, the group of people that that's the most challenging for are academics. Um, though I have helped professors uh, write books before, they know that they're not writing in a tone that is interesting. The hardest thing is to unplug that part of them, their writing style, because it comes with a certain amount of persona, like, this is who I am. And i like, do you want to be that person or do you want to be the person that impacts people? <laughs> like, you choose. But... Um, Recently, I was working with a former NFL player working on uh, two books. I mean, man, this guy knows a lot about football. I know a a little bit, but I don't know very much. The the interesting thing is I have to command him just like I command any other author to take action. He's used to being coached, but I mean, you have to be, the Eagles are frail and fragile. Um, You've got to be careful because I don't want to crush the writer, but I also don't want them to think that I'm not going to push them in a way to get them to do something. I, I know you see it this way, but if you came here and don't trust me, then this isn't going to work. And I think what, one other time, and you'll know, because you're in the law profession, I, somebody told me, you know, you you charge as much as a Manhattan lawyer. I'm like, I do. And they're like, well, I mean, I could find a Manhattan lawyer. I go, will you find a Manhattan lawyer that can help you write a book? Please do. <laughs> And uh, they're like, oh, I was like, I- it's a specific skill. My job is to see messages and words before they get put on the page. My job is to be a book whisperer, to see things that other people can't see. Uh, not there's nothing wrong with being a Manhattan lawyer, but that's just a different skill set. So, you know, and, but their mindset was already fixed that this was not value. And there's nothing I could do to help them. And we had to part ways because their mind was fixed. They wanted it to be easy and not hard. And they wanted to find a a way out. I'm like, there's no way out of this. Getting less price is not going to make it any easier. So I think part of the negotiation is me understanding what I can do what I can't for them and and showing them themselves. Because the truth is, Kwame, you were your own best teacher in this work. I just pointed you in the right way. I didn't tell you you had to do it this way. And you figured it out by me saying, look, this is where I want you to observe this and then do this. And you did it. And then If it worked for you, you would adjust, right? So I think that's the other thing is I don't tell people how to, I just point them in the direction they should go.
0: Right. But that's so powerful as a leader though, right? Because you are, you're guiding people, they're responding, but you're not pushing people. And I think that's a really interesting distinction.
1: Yeah. And it really, I mean, I can't make them right. Um, but I can inspire them to take action when they're stuck, when they have a reason, when they're actually arguing with themselves and I'm there, uh, why they shouldn't do this or why this isn't working. And I said, you know what, it's, it really is words on a page. And I make them write for eight minutes when they're stuck. I go write for eight minutes. And I watch and I say, how many words are there? like 350? I go, if you kept that pace up for the next nine months, you'd finish a book. You don't think you can, you don't have eight minutes a day. It's hard to argue with their own data. I'm like, huh, Interesting. This isn't about not having time to write. This is you arguing with yourself of why you're not doing it. So we've got to get over that first.
0: Right. Oh man, we, we can talk about this forever. And I know <laughs> that because we have. <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but before you go, can you, can you tell the audience again uh, about your business and how they could reach out with you, to you and potentially work with you too?
1: Yeah. You can find me at authorswholead.com. Um, I also have a podcast under the same name. We interview authors uh, from New York Times bestselling authors to first-time writers to 12-year-olds who've published books. Just about behind the scenes, about the processes they went through, about what was hard, what was easy. Did they get an agent? Did they not? Did they, would they do it differently if they could do it again? So Authors Who Lead podcast is another great place to find me. And you can find me on my social media at the same thing, Authors Who Lead.
0: Fantastic. Azul, thank you so much, my friend. Really appreciate it. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations